Before we start this episode of Listen Frontier, I wanted to let you know that this episode contains strong language and some violent sounds of police responding to protests in recent days that some might find disturbing. No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Just outrage about what happened with Mr. Floyd in Minneapolis, but to also remember that we've had so many various situations right here within Oklahoma. Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! I'm fucking tired of hearing about black lives being killed because it fucking scares me, bro. Are my friends next? And I'm just sick and tired of people constantly trying to ignore that other lives matter by saying all lives matter. Well, we're not saying that all lives don't matter. We're saying that black lives matter right now because black people are in danger of getting killed for no reason. That's why I'm here. I'm here to spread awareness to this issue because apparently us, everybody in every different city standing out here is not enough. So I'm here to be that plus one so we can finally send the message across. Following the death of George Floyd while in police custody last week in Minneapolis, a wave of protests has spread across the country, including in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, where demonstrations over the past few days have been largely peaceful, but have included some clashes with police. Many Oklahomans watched footage of tear gas rising in the streets of the state's two largest cities and saw reports of businesses being vandalized. But for the most part, the demonstrations were nonviolent and gathered a diverse crowd of thousands to protest not only the death of George Floyd, but police brutality everywhere and systemic racism. On this special episode of Listen Frontier, we take a closer look at the protests in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, their place in the larger story of unrest across America, and Oklahoma's own history with a law enforcement system that seems to target people of color at a disproportionate rate. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, June 2nd. Before we continue, let's discuss a little context. The demonstrations in Oklahoma are definitely a part of a national movement that has seen protests in nearly every major city across the country. But Oklahoma has its own set of challenges that demonstrators here have targeted, and it's important to understand them when trying to understand the message that's being sent. Oklahoma City leads the nation in the rate of people killed by police, and Tulsa is third. That's according to data from 2013 to 2018 that was analyzed by MappingPoliceViolence.org. Oklahoma also has the nation's highest incarceration rate, with the rate five times higher for black Oklahomans than white. Those points were widely discussed by protesters who marched over the weekend, beginning on Saturday when hundreds blocked a busy Oklahoma City intersection 
that police attempted to clear before the crowd became too big. I'm out here because I have a one-year-old black son and I'm tired of seeing daily in the media all these uncovered stories of black women and men getting killed for no reason. Killed just because the color of their skin, just because they're not white, just because this country is for white people. Well, it's time for us to change and this country, it's not, it's not even built off white people. They just live here. And I'm just sick and tired of people constantly trying to ignore that other lives matter by saying all lives matter. Well, we're not saying that all lives don't matter. We're saying that black lives matter right now because black people are in danger of getting killed for no reason. That's why I'm here. I'm here to spread awareness to this issue because apparently us, everybody in every different city standing out here is not enough. So I'm here to be that plus one so we can finally send the message across. You said you have a son. What do you think about his future? When you, when you think about what you're doing, you feel I'm, like this is for his future? I'm absolutely scared. I don't know what his future is going to be like if we don't change now. We have to change now. I'm scared for my son to grow up in this world where they don't like black men. They don't favor black men. They'll shoot them for no reason. They'll interrogate them and accuse them of things for no reason. They'll believe the other side before him. And I know him. I love him. And I'm going to look out for him in every way possible. The crowd marched through the streets of Oklahoma City before heading downtown to gather at the Oklahoma City Police Headquarters. It was here that the crowd was met with officers wearing helmets and holding shields as they formed a barrier around the police building. The crowd was angry and passionate, but still largely peaceful, until an object was thrown at officers who responded with tear gas and cleared the area. On Sunday, even more took to the streets in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. While I was in Oklahoma City covering the demonstration, my colleague at the frontier, Cassie McClung, was on the ground in Tulsa. So Cassie, you were on the streets of Tulsa on Sunday, where just like here in Oklahoma City, there was a massive gathering of, of, of people protesting police brutality and, and racism. I, I think the thing that was really interesting about what you experienced in Tulsa is that this came on a on a pretty important anniversary for the state and, and for the city of Tulsa. Right. So um, Sunday was the 99th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. 
Um, so the protest started off in downtown Tulsa in the Greenwood District, which was also known as Black Wall Street uh, back in the day. And it was there were, I think, hundreds, if not thousands of people there. It was very organized. Um, it started off very, I guess, light and peaceful. Um, and it stayed peaceful for most of the night. And there were several speakers there talking about past shootings in Tulsa, such as Terrence Crutcher, um, Joshua Beret, and others. So not only were they there kind of talking about police brutality and racism, but also, you know, remembering uh, the Tulsa race massacre. And where did the, this, this was a gathering that was on the move, right? So it started mm-hmm. in the, in the Greenwood district, but, uh, you know, marched through the streets and including on a, on one of the city's highways at one point, right? Yeah. So it, it kind of went off the original plan. So it started off, like you said, in the Greenwood district and the pl- original plan was to, march all the way around downtown um, and make a loop back into Greenwood and continue kind of just peacefully, you know, congregating, um, protesting there. But uh, later, the organizer of the event told me she got dehydrated and she ended up passing out. And Mm. she said some other activists took over and actually led the group onto the highway. And that's where things, um, you know, they got a little bit more chaotic There was a lot of eastbound traffic blocked. The uh, law enforcement hadn't yet gotten the opportunity to block off the streets yet. So there were still some cars um, behind the protesters. They had stopped. But and then, you know, as you know, we've seen a lot of this in the news. And I I tweeted about it when it happened. But uh, several people ended up getting hit by a truck. And one woman got hit by a truck. And another guy actually ended up falling off the side of the highway. And it was like... Mm. 18 to 20 feet up, but they're, they're both reported to be okay. And, you know, there was a similar demonstration here in Oklahoma city where mm-hmm. thousands gathered in um, the city's Northeast community, which is the predominantly black part of town, um, you know, very peaceful, but passionate mm-hmm. uh, protest that, that included a march to the state Capitol um, that reminded me a little bit of the teacher walkout just because, I, you know, this was one of the events that kind of rivaled it in size a little right. bit with people filling the steps of the Capitol and the grounds. I can't breathe! 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 And then they marched downtown to the, to the police headquarters. Unlike Saturday, which was a little bit more chaotic especially in the evening and mm-hmm. we heard some some sound from that and clash between some protesters and police um this demonstration remained largely peaceful was that was that the case in tulsa and i ask because you know that you know those clashes with police are getting a lot of attention um but at least from my perspective you know the vast majority of this has been has been peaceful and non and non-violent right and of course that's so important to point out but it was you know people a lot of people didn't end up going onto the highway and ended up circling back to Greenwood and, you know, just continuing to, you know, voice their concerns, talk amongst themselves, protest, you know, chant, hold up signs. And then later that evening, it kind of went off onto its own group again. And people ended up marching several miles uh, south of downtown Tulsa and ended up in Brookside here in Tulsa. And there's some other, there's a little bit more clash between protesters and um, police, but, you know, like you said, it was largely 
peaceful and those were kind of smaller groups out there. Yeah. In my observation, it really seemed to matter what kind of posture the police took. Yeah. Here, here in Oklahoma City on Saturday night, um, when we saw, I guess, some of the most chaos between police and protesters, when the when the crowd came to downtown, to the police station, the police were already surrounding the building with shields and masks, with lights flashing and, and already on the, on the speaker. Um, and it just seemed to really raise the intensity of the moment. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday, when an even larger crowd came downtown, the police this time had barricaded the streets with, uh, with, with fences, but they weren't initially in riot gear. They weren't holding shields and there were far fewer police. In fact, Mm. Across the street from the police department is the county jail and the county sheriffs were wearing tactical gear. And when the Mm -hmm. crowd came downtown with the destination being the police department, they instinctively gravitated towards the county jail because that is where the largest police presence was. And and that's where officers were wearing the riot gear. And it just seemed to me that um, that when when the crowds are, are are interacting with police. It's, it's at those, it's those times. And I'm not necessarily blaming the police per se, but it's just those times when they're kind of geared up for a fight that just kind of escalated the tensions, um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I've noticed that too, especially in the more organized protests where it seems like the organizers talk to law enforcement ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I noticed this on Sunday. It seemed like police officers, they were blocking off streets, but largely staying disengaged with protesters and just kind of letting them do their thing. And it sounds like that was kind of what was happening then in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And it's hard because each incident where I've seen where we get to the to the point where police have said that it's an unlawful assembly and they start Mm -hmm. firing tear gas. It's it's been because one or two people have thrown maybe a rock or a bottle at yeah. a car or an officer. And that's, that's serious and dangerous. And I'm, mm-hmm. and in some ways I'm sympathetic to officers who are not seeing where that's coming from and now feeling like they have to clear the area. But you also observe the fact that you have hundreds of people, you know, the vast majority, almost all are peacefully demonstrating. And in response to just a handful of people, police start using force against the entire crowd. And it just, right. it just becomes, a sad situation and a picture. Yeah, no, definitely it is. It's just, it's a sad situation in general. Cause you know, you do have this people who are want, you know, they're wanting to protest, protest against police brutality, um, racism. And then, you know, sometimes it gets a little, um, you know, force comes out into play. Yeah. And I want to ask you, cause I know Monday night you were back out on the streets of Tulsa and saw some of that again. But before I do, you know, I was watching some, uh, some coverage from a local television station and they had kind of the the title on the screen for what was going on and they called it the George Floyd protest in yeah. Oklahoma City. And what struck me about that is it's I've almost, not that I have forgotten about George Floyd or forgotten about the incident in Minneapolis, how could you? But yeah. um, I almost thought that that was an inaccurate title because this is, and I wrote a story this weekend with this mm-hmm. headline. I mean, this was so much more than just George. I mean, yes, that is the spark that has kind of set up this wave of demonstrations. But as you said in Tulsa, uh, the crowd had local names to point to mm-hmm. um, and local issues to, to target their, their frustration. So this, this wasn't just a response to a, a killing 
of a man by police in Minneapolis. This was a spark that set off anger that's rooted in local issues as well. We'll continue to right these wrongs, however way God sees fit. God is on the side of the oppressed. How long? Not long. Right now. Right, exactly. And I'm sure you've heard that in Oklahoma City, too, the local names um, from people who have died from police shootings. But, yeah, like you said, it's not only, I mean, George Floyd's death, um, you know, might have triggered this nationwide movement. But talking to protesters, the organizers of these events, it's really about systemic racism and, um, you know, police brutality against that community. Monday night, like I said, you were back out on the streets. Things got a little bit more dicey as well. What did, what did you see Monday evening? Yeah, so Monday was very different from Saturday and Sunday. And um, I should add a little context here and say that the organizers of the protest from Saturday and Sunday have been pretty outspoken with trying to distance themselves from uh, the protests that I saw yesterday evening, which were it was a very different crowd um, it was much, much younger. I think there was a few people arrested and they were all 19 or younger. Um, and it was much less organized. It was largely smaller groups scattered um, around the 71st Memorial area in Tulsa, if you're familiar with the area. Yeah. And it it went on till about, I'm going to say a little after 1.30 in the morning. Um, I think officers, law enforcement and protesters had kind of been pushing back and forth a little bit. Um, There's a lot of tear gas deployed when I got there around 9.30 or 10. And then at the end, um, I think in the last couple of hours, the National Guard was embedded into the Tulsa Police Department. And largely the crowd ended up kind of dispersing around 1.30 a.m. when the Tulsa Police Department um, released a lot, a lot, a lot of tear gas. Um, So I think that kind of drove everyone out. And I'm not, um, so our colleague Clifton Adcock, he was, he kind of saw what happened better than I did. And I'm not sure if the fireworks were directed toward officers or not, but I do know some protester was shooting off fireworks and that was what kind of triggered the release of all that gas. But again, I'm not sure whether that was, you know, those fireworks were directed at police officers or if they were just making noise. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the National Guard reported yesterday or reported on Monday that uh, Governor Kevin Stitt had called for the National Guard to be on the ready in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have not seen them present yet in Oklahoma City. I don't think they were uh, visible during Monday night's demonstration here, but but you said they were visible or, or were active in Tulsa on Monday evening. Very, very active. They kind of um, rolled in with a lot of, you know, armored trucks, and they brought in two large buses. And I thought that might signal um, some kind of mass arrest, but we didn't end up seeing that play out. And a lot of, you know, I was talking to other reporters last night about what kind of role the National Guard can play in, you know, these types of protests. And, I, you know, I know you wrote about that. So what what did you hear about, you know, how does the National Guard come to play in these protests? Yeah, so I was told that as many as 120 uh, members of the National Guard have been called to Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And and by called, uh, it, the term is active state duty. And these 
these individuals reside in these communities. So they're, they're, for the most part, they're already in, in, in the cities that they've been dispatched to. Uh, the, the National Guard told me that they always act in a supporting manner and they're never a lead agency. So they are there to support local law enforcement and to take direction somewhat from them um, never to go and take charge, so to speak, of the streets. And, you know, what, what made me initially reach out to the National Guard to try to figure out if they were involved on Monday was because President Trump had had this call that had been widely reported with governors mm-hmm. telling them that they really needed to fight back. We're strongly looking for arrests. You have to get much tougher. You're going to get overridden. Uh, I know... Governor Walz is on the phone, and, and we spoke, and uh, I fully agree with the way he handled it the last couple of days. I asked him to do that. Get a lot of men. We have all the men and women that you need, but people aren't calling them up. You have to dominate. If you don't dominate, you're wasting your time. They're going to run over you. You're going to look like a bunch of jerks. And, you know, I wanted to know if this call had caused Governor Stitt to take any further action. Now, in all fairness, his call to the National Guard came a day earlier on Sunday. Okay. Um, and I can tell you that speaking some with some members of the National Guard, um, they weren't necessarily too enthusiastic about what the president had said and kind of felt like that mm-hmm. depicted their work, um, not just in a negative light, but in an accurate light. Because once again, that they are they're not there to take charge of the streets, they're there to support um, but as you said, the presence of National Guard and, and their uniforms and the vehicles that they have, it, it's a forceful, a forceful picture. Um, Definitely. And not just with the National Guard. I mean, with local police and, and sheriffs here in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma County, as I'm sure is the case in Tulsa, um, you see a lot of armored cars. You see a lot of armory and shields and masks. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it is raising the question about just, you know, the militarization of police. And I know as we're talking right now, the, the council in Oklahoma City is hearing a budget presentation from the police chief for the next fiscal year. And for the, for the last hour, they've been hearing public comments from citizens who, who are wanting the city to defund the police department, to not see more money put into the police department, especially mm-hmm. when they feel like that money is being misspent. On, on vehicles and equipment that you might sure. commonly see with the military. So I think, you know, this, these wave, this wave of demonstration across the country and, and here in Oklahoma are going are gonna to spark dozens of conversations and issues that are all connected. And, you know, the funding of police right now is just one of those, one of those topics. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a huge one. And I'm curious to see, you know, because I, I think you mentioned that people were kind of starting to gather in Oklahoma City to maybe protest. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, you know, many days this movement will keep momentum. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things right now is it definitely feels we've, you know, Cassie, you and I have have grown up in a generation that have seen similar protests after controversial police shootings. I think of Ferguson, I think of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one feels different, right? I mean, this one feels more passionate and and obviously different in the sense that these these protests have spread to almost every major city and have continued for days. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, gained momentum. It's it looks like it's going to keep some momentum in Oklahoma. I know um, so far the mayor here has given um, a into a few demands from these event organizers like 
ending, um, he said he was going to end the city's live PD contract, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, is a live television show showing the arrests of people within the community and stuff like that. So um, I organizers have said that's been a big step. So it looks like it's, you know, it's still going. Um, I haven't heard of any additional protests in Tulsa tonight, but it's it's still pretty early in the day, so that could change. On Monday, members of Oklahoma City's chapter of Black Lives Matter held a press conference on the steps of City Hall to issue a list of demands. As we close this episode of Listen Frontier, here is a portion of that press conference. Um, I am Reverend T. Cherie Dickerson, Executive Director and Lead Organizer of Black Lives Matter Oklahoma City Chapter. Um, We're also here today to talk about the list of demands and what we are asking as far as accountability from various entities and organizations. We demand an apology from Police Chief Wade Gurley and Mayor David Holt. And in the immediate, and ask for the immediate resignation of Chief Gurley, whose lack of leadership resulted in aggressive actions by the police toward peaceful protesters, escalating tensions and resulting in violence that could have been and should have been avoided. We also demand the immediate release without charges of all incarcerated protesters who were arrested for nonviolent offenses or resisting arrest while defending themselves or their loved ones from unlawful use of excessive force by the Oklahoma City Police Department and the Sheriff's Office. We're asking that disciplinary action and termination be taken against all police officers who violently attacked peaceful protesters while they were standing in their right to assemble and to protest. The immediate installation of an independent citizens complaint review board for the Oklahoma City Police Department, which will have authority to review all complaints, including use of force and discipline of offending officers. Mayor Holt, we're asking for a meeting within 24 hours. We have had communications directly from Mayor Holt, and he is agreeing to that meeting. So I do want to mention that. Provision of training and de-escalation tactics for all Oklahoma City police officers, which must include training in interactions with persons who have mental health issues, as well as training that includes cultural sensitivity. On a personal level, I do not know what type of training or the curricula is asking people to simply act with compassion, humanity, and sensibility. The immediate public release of arrest records of Olene Jefferson Jr. and the body cam footage of all police involved in his arrest 
and the footage from the Oklahoma County Jail where they indicated that a minor use of force resulted in the death of Mr. Jefferson. The immediate public release of all video footage of the Oklahoma City incident involving and resulting in the death of Mr. Derek Ali Sr. The arrest and prosecution of David Stewart for the kidnapping and illegal confinement of Mr. Travis Miller Sr. on May 11th. Justice for the family of El Ray Barber, who was shot and killed by Oklahoma City Police Department on Christmas Eve 2019. Justice for Rolana Keeler, who was shot by Oklahoma City Police Department on Christmas Eve 2019 while unarmed. They indicated that she was shot because Mr. Barber had fired shots and the ballistics and the reports came out that he had never done so. It was the Oklahoma City police officers that fired the first, second, and only shots that were fired in that incident. Mayor Holt, we're asking you to commit to the construction of a grocery store on the east side of Oklahoma City to be completed within six months. The Northeast Oklahoma City communities are dealing with a food apartheid. It is not a food desert because it's apartheid because it was taken from us. And we are also asking for the granting of clemency and immediate release of wrongfully charged and convicted member of our community, our brother, Julius Jones, and we're asking that Governor Smith do this immediately. Yes. These are our list of demands.